How many of y'all absolutely love tacos? Like you won't eat them on Tuesday, but you'll eat them every day of the week. You know what taco, why tacos are so amazing? They're like one of the only food groups you can eat with confidence at breakfast, at lunch, at dinner, as a midnight snack, right? Like there's not a bad, I never thought that there was a bad taco. I'll eat one from Taco Bell, I don't care. But there is a bad taco, y'all, and unfortunately it's in our city. I discovered this the hard way. Several years ago, several buddies from our church family, we went out and played golf. And after golf, at playing at one of our muni courses here in our city, uh, a couple of the guys said, John, the best tacos are at Taquitos West. And they invited me. We came. I mean, it, it, was, it just seemed really authentic. And the place was packed out. And we got there. It was a, a late lunch. So I got up to the counter to order my, my tacos. And I said, well, I'll, I'll take the tacos asada. You know, I had that vision of the, the, the street tacos. You, you squeeze the lime, the cilantro, the, the onion. Everything's there. And they said, we've run out of asada. I was like, oh. I said, pollo por favor. You know, surely like no more chicken. How about El Pastor? No, nothing, nothing. I'm like, how can this be the, the best taco place in town and they've run out of all the, the good meat? And so my friend said, hey, don't worry, Pastor. Have you ever had tripas? It's like, no, what is that? And then my other friend said, how about a taco with lingua? I saw it on the menu. I didn't know what lingua was. And I'm like, for those of you who are my fellow gringos in the house... And you don't know what a lingua is. I want you to imagine a big old flour tortilla filled with a cow's tongue. That's what lingua is, y'all. And some of you eat this stuff. Like, how many of you raise your hand and you will eat a lingua? Oh, my Lord. Y'all need to be delivered. Like, my mama taught me a lot of things in life, and, and I'm going to tell you, like, there's two things that you don't do with the time. Like, from a pastor's heart, will you listen? Two things, all right? One, don't eat it, and two, don't talk bad with it, all right? Look over to someone sitting next to you and say, don't eat the tongue, and don't talk bad with it. <laughs> Did you know that the average person speaks 860 million words in a lifetime? And a lot of those words can be used to help or to hurt people. Some of you have hurt people with your words. If I could be vulnerable, this is an area that I have struggled with my whole life. Like there's a reason why we've never done a sermon series on words before. And, and, I, and when I was younger, man, I, I did struggle with it. And I wonder how many of you, just even in the last three weeks, if you could take a little inventory, things that you have said, how many of you just in the last three weeks, all right, said something that you wish you could just pull back? How many of you would just say, yeah, I, I've done it? Now, some of you are lying. You need to be <laughs> Turn with me into the Bible, the New Testament, to the book of James. The book of James. I'm so glad that you are here today as we begin our brand new series called Taming the Tongue. Taming the Tongue. Now James was the half-brother of Jesus. Now he doesn't flex this in his letter, 
But can you imagine being the brother of Jesus? Like in every area of your life, you talk, some of you compare yourself to your siblings, but can you imagine comparing yourself to someone who never sinned? Like he was perfect, even with his words. And so I imagine James, he saw that, this beautiful model of Jesus never lost control with his words. He, he, he never sinned. And so James saw that, and that gave him, he saw the power of the tongue. And so he's writing, I love the book of James, don't you? It's such a practical book. He shoots straight, and he's writing to some believers that are scattered all over the ancient world because of persecution. And, and he's saying, hey, you have a, an opportunity to represent Jesus. And don't be a, a Christian who's silent, but let your faith be demonstrated in works and what you do and, and what you say. And he's saying, like, especially during these times of persecution, hard times, like your character is going to be revealed. And, and it matters how you talk to each other. And so James is spending a lot of time in this letter in regards to the tongue and how we talk to each other. Because the reality is that our home is going to be sweet if we talk to each other the right way. Some of you, your marriages aren't healthy because you're not talking to each other well. Some of you in the workplace or with your kids or your parents or friends or even in a small group or even in our church family, we, if we want to be more united, more loving, then we're going to have to improve in how we talk to each other. Amen? And so starting at verse 19 of James chapter 1, he says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to what? Listen. He's like, everybody must be quick to listen but slow to speak and slow to what? To get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has power to save your souls. Are you grateful for the word of God? Do you, do you elevate it in your life? This is the word of God that has power to save your souls. It has the power to save your marriage, to save relationships. So don't just be hearers of the word. Let's be doers of the word of God because there's great power. It's God breathed. It's without error. And may we apply it to our lives. Amen. So let's look at this passage of scripture. And from this passage of scripture, I want to share with you just how to apply this to your everyday life. How to apply this to how you talk with your words. How to tame the tongue. So first, we must listen carefully. It's the first thing. He says to be quick to listen. There's a reason why God gave us two ears and one mouth. There's a reason, right? God knew we were going to struggle with this. G. Campbell Morgan, who was a pastor and one of my favorite commentators of the Bible, said that the first duty of love is to listen. The first duty of love is to listen. To listen to others with an open heart and an open mind. To try to lean in on, on the other person's need, their perspective. I think so many of us, especially if we're immature in our faith, are, are quick to want to talk, to get our voice out, to be heard, where we're not even slowing down enough to listen to the other person. I've got a wonderful friend in our small group. His name is Godwin. He's a little bit older. He's originally from the country of Nigeria. 
And when he talks, he's just a source of wisdom. But he's got a really thick accent. But when he talks, no one wants to miss anything that he says. And so the room gets extra quiet. And people lean in. And no matter how long he talks, we're listening. And I wonder, if what would it be like if we took that same mentality into our relationships, into our friendships? Not just with our superiors, but our peers and those who we're leading. And we're really quiet long enough, patient long enough, that we, we're not thinking about what we want to say. We're not paying attention to our clock or getting distracted. But we're really trying to listen to the needs and the perspective of the other person. So first, if we're going to control our tongue, we need to be good listeners. Second, we need to speak wisely. There's a pace to how we should speak. The Bible says that we should be slow to speak. Have you ever noticed that when the temperature starts to rise, when the, the, the conversation gets heated, it's like we start talking faster, we start talking louder, and we start saying things that we know we're going to regret later. It's like we become cannons, loose cannons. But the Bible's very clear. Like, we need to be slow to speak. So when, listen, spouses, when you have that moment when there's conflict and it's going to happen, right, in every marriage and every relationship, when you feel yourself starting to get heated up and emotional, it's okay to hit a timeout. It's okay to back up and say, hey, we're going to talk again before we go to bed tonight, but we just, I just need a breather. I need to, like, I need to pray. <laughs> I don't want to say something that's really going to bring harm to this relationship that I'll regret. And we've all been there, right? We've all said things that we wish we could take back. That's why the Bible says, like, we're gonna, we need to be slow and intentional. When we talk slower, you're more calculated. You're more intentional with your words. So consider the impact that it has on other people. The third thing that we can learn from Scripture is that we must control our anger. In verse 20, James writes, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. There is two kinds of anger. There is a righteous anger. We see Jesus do this a couple of times in the gospel, right? But most of the time with anger, it's always, it's never without reason, but seldom a good one, <laughs> right? And so we, we, here's the reality. And if you can think about people in your life, especially if they meant something to you, you never forgot the moments where they lost self-control. You don't forget it. You don't forget it, whether it be word or action. And people will not forget it either when you lose control. Your children won't forget it. Your spouse won't forget it. And I know it brings a little bit of pain, and it should and we all have moments in our life that we wish we could go back and take those words back, but we can't. It's like what comes out of a toothpaste container. You can't, you can't put it back. It's there, but the Lord can redeem. The good news, he can forgive, that there is hope with our words. The Bible says in verse 26, James chapter 1, If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. This is a brutal fact. Some of you are like, it don't matter. I'll say whatever's on my mind. Can I, from my heart, listen. 
everything that comes into your mind does not need to come out of your mouth. Isn't that good? Like have some control. You don't need to just feel like you have to say everything no matter how you feel, no matter how you say. We don't need on social media, through texting or in conversation. You're fooling yourself if you don't think you need to control and improve in this area of your life. Listen, there are moments that I've gone too far. When I was a kid, I was mouthy as a kid. And I am so glad that my dad did not tolerate me being disrespectful to my mom. I got the belt. I got spanked. And some of you did as well. You remember, like, some of you got, like, old school. Like, the grandma, well, like, the soap in the mouth. You got filthy mouth. That's going to be cleansed. You remember the movie Christmas Story, right, when Ralphie got the soap in his mouth. Some of you have, like, traumatic memories of this. Others of you, you got the spoon. The wood, am I, how many, you don't have to raise it. The wooden spoon, you know, right? Or the flying chancla, whatever it took. Like, and that there needs to be like this conviction with, as parents, grandparents, let's like let our kids grow up. Like not, they shouldn't be able to just be disrespectful and, and have uncontrolled lips and words. They need to have honor and be respectful to people who are in authority, to their teachers, to church family members, to each other. Amen? We have a responsibility, but it starts with us. We model it. We model it. And if your kids are seeing you fly off the handle, I promise you, you teach what you know, but you will reproduce who you are. You will. You will. And so, it, man, Scripture is so so practical, and it backs up science. It really does. Did you know that the average male says 7,000 words in a day? Do you know how many words a woman speaks? <laughs> I don't even have to say it. You just know, right? 20,000. It's science. Like, so God, here at church family, listen, guys, we will struggle in some areas that our, our ladies, they won't. When it comes to, we're we're designed visually, so lust, that's going to be a, a, a temptation that, that we will struggle with. But ladies, you're going to have to be careful. You're going to have to be careful with the words, careful as it relates to our church family, because gossip can bring division. And Paul writes about it in, in 1 Timothy chapter 5. He's talking specifically to young women who were widows. And in that first century, they were put on a list. And the church would take care of these young widows. It would support them. And, and he says in verse 13, he says, And if they are on the list, they will learn to be lazy and will spend their time gossiping from house to house, meddling in other people's business and talking about things they shouldn't. So I advise these younger widows to marry again, have children, and take care of their homes. Then the enemy will not be able to say anything against them. Talk about being practical. That's why I love Scripture. And we can apply it to our, our lives. But no matter who we are and if we've lost control, then but there can be hope. Proverbs 17, 27 says, He who has knowledge spares his words. And a man of understanding is a calm spirit. When you're new to your faith, when you are a believer, listen, maturity, it it's a process. Sanctification, there is something that happens on that moment, but it's instantaneous and it's progressive. Transformation happens generally little by little. The more you abide, the more you go to small group, the more you come to church, and you are responsible for what you know. When you have knowledge and you learn it and you apply it, you grow wiser and more mature. But some of you are young in your faith, and these words start coming out. And like, and, and I love playing golf with new believers. 
you just see the, they can't hide it. Like I was on the golf course yesterday in a, in a Christian tournament. Some bad shots were hit and cuss words were said. Sometimes I want to borrow. I'm like, I can't see it, but will you say it for me? Like, honestly. Oh, I know none of y'all are, y'all are much more holy than, than me. <laughs> but we are to be new creations, right? We are to grow and, and desire to be more calm of spirit and be more careful with our words. But here's the reality. Words reveal who you really are. Some of you have said stuff and you're like, oh, excuse me, that's not who I really am. But the truth is, it's exactly who you are. It's exactly who you are. And, and the Bible says, Jesus says in Luke 6.45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the where? The heart, the mouth speaks. And so if, if you've ever studied language or linguistics, like there's, a, there's a, a term called root words. Like many of our words are in Latin. Like you take the, the Latin word odd, A-U-D, and it's where it's the root word for audible or audio or auditorium. Jesus is saying the root to words is not in a Latin word. The real root is your heart, the cortisone, right? That's the, that's the real root. And so sometimes we can focus on the surface and just trying to, like, pay attention to the words, what not to say, what to say. In reality, we need to go a lot deeper, and we need to look and examine the heart. Jesus says this in Matthew 12, and, and just warning you all, this is some Tough teaching from Jesus, but it matters to the Lord what we say. It matters to the unity of the church. It matters to your relationships. And he says in Matthew 12, verses 34 through 40, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. This was like we just read in another gospel. But now he says in verse 36, but I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Words matter. Your heart matters. Your heart will reveal, the, the words that you speak will reveal the condition of your heart. So what kind of heart do you have? A person with a harsh tongue oftentimes has an angry, angry heart. It's probably mirrored with hard facial features. Someone who just maybe just has a, a, a words that always bite, they're harsh, they're mean. It's probably because their heart is angry. A person with a negative tongue has a sad heart. You may not even be aware of this, but if you give yourself over to worry, discouragement, depression that goes on, then the words that come out of your mouth oftentimes are negative. And you are perceived to be a negative person because of these words. It may not be the motive of the heart, but it's a reality. And, and some, you're, 
people are, you're wondering why you don't have a lot of people close to you, it's because your words are, are, are negative. A person with a proud tongue oftentimes has an insecure heart. When this person hears something that's a compliment about someone else, they're quick to assert themselves to be noticed. You see this, don't you? You see it on social media. You'll see it in person. Sometimes they get real defensive or they'll just, or they'll just want to, to be known or they'll pay attention to what I did or my accolades or my appearance. And, and it's all, it's, it, the reality is it's because of there's, there's an insecurity in the identity and there's probably a pride problem. A person with a filthy tongue has an impure heart. If you're saying bad words or your language is crude or sexually immoral in nature, even when you're joking, maybe because your, your heart is not pure and you're watching some impure things. And this is a moment where you need to hear the words of Jesus. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And some of you, you can't see God clearly. You can't see the word of God. You're, you don't sense his presence. It's because your heart is not pure. And you need to confess and repent of this. A person with a critical tongue often has a bitter heart. You're not even aware of it, but your words are just constantly critical. And it's because you've not forgiven of someone. Listen, forgiveness is never based on a... An apology, you may never receive it. It's not based on the degree of offense. It's, it's based on how Jesus forgave you. That's how we forgive others. So may we be quick to forgive and constantly forgive so we don't have a critical tongue. David said in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart. This, was a, this is a confessional after his failure into adultery with Bathsheba. He missed the mark. He didn't harden his heart, but he said, God, create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. We need to deal with the heart. There's bad news and good news. The bad news is that if you try to control your tongue on your own, you're not going to have much luck. You won't have much success. The Bible says that in James chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. But no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. The good news is that when you surrender it to the Lord, when you surrender your heart and say, God, take this heart of stone and make it heart of flesh. Would you make it tender? Would you make it loving? I surrender to you. I want to walk in the spirit. Create in me a new creation. I want to be new again. I want to have a new heart, a new time. There is hope through the power of God. Isn't that good news? There's hope in the power of God. Solomon in Proverbs 4, he's like a, a, a father imparting wise wisdom to his son. He says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. And he gives us such great sage advice. He says, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flows all the issues of life, the wellspring of life. This is guard your heart against words that will bring you down and bring others down. David says in Psalms 141.3, imagine just the image here. Like, it says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. He's saying, help me, Lord. Help me, Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to be sensitive to what I'm saying, to be intentional, to control. This is the hardest 
area of the body to control, the Bible says. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, we hear the prophet Isaiah. He said, it's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. He's saying, man, I, my, I've lost control of my tongue. It's filthy. Everybody around me is filthy. But... I have seen the king. I have been in his presence, right? So what's the solution? He says in, in verse 6, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Praise God. May the word of God come alive in us today. Amen. There is hope. We may struggle with it. We may have regret in the past. But there is hope. But it starts with an honest moment. It starts when we surrender to the Lord. It starts when we're saying, God, I can't do this on my own. But in you, I need to surrender. I need to confess. I need to repent on how I've talked to others. How I've talked to my, my spouse. And Lord, would you help me. Help me with my words. Help me with my heart. Would you please stand to your feet? We're going to spend time in the presence of the Lord. For some of you, and the Holy Spirit wants to do some real heart surgery. So what kind of heart do you have? It's a tough one. You have a proud heart. You have an angry heart. You have a sad heart. Some of you are going to be tempted to be a little bit more pious. You're saying, hey, no one hears any bad things coming out of my mouth. But yet your heart is far from God. And you're being hypocritical. And Jesus addresses this a lot. He says there must be consistency with, with your lips and your heart. He's saying it's not enough to come in the presence of God and to sing songs, but your heart is far away from me. He desires your heart. He wants your heart. And so, Father, as we humble ourselves and bow our heads, I pray that we can be honest, that we can be vulnerable. The Holy Spirit, you don't bring memories to shame us, to condemn us, but I believe that you do convict us of our sin. So, Holy Spirit, would you convict us now if we've missed the mark with our mouth, with our words, we've not controlled our tongue, just in your own words right now, if you need to confess and repent, would you, just, would you just confess it before the Lord? God, we wait upon you. We're not in a hurry. Would you take our hearts? Would you purge us from sin? Would you cleanse us, Father? Cleanse our hearts. Cleanse our, our lips. May our, the vessels, as vessels unto you, may we bring you honor and not dishonor. As the Holy Spirit convicts you, some of you, you're going to, you need to go to people in your life and you need to apologize. They don't need it to forgive, but man, it's going to go a long ways. Would you humble yourself as the Holy Spirit may bring you back of unconfessed sins, of words that you have shared and said. 
pray that the Holy Spirit even now would give you a vision. It's going to take faith and it's going to take courage, but the Lord's going to use this as a healing moment, as a reconciling moment, and it's going to bring great glory to him. So Holy Spirit, would you lead us and guide us? As we spend time in prayer and worship, we honor you, we love you, we thank you that we can be in your presence. We thank you, Jesus. We surrender to you. We surrender to you.